Welcome to Monday Mobile Podcast, episode three. I'm your host, Mark, and with me are Charles Baca and David Milne. Today, we will talk about retention in gaming, specifically mobile gaming, of course. Uh, Charles, why don't you start us off by talking about what retention is and uh, what the numbers are? Yeah, so as a product manager last year, uh, it was one of my f- major responsibilities was making sure that uh, players come into the game as often as possible. So in industry, we usually talk about day one retention, so the players that came back on the first day, and day seven retention and day 30 retention. So as the player goes through their, what we call the funnel, as they go through the level ups, they go through different features, they go through maybe a certain amount of premium currency drip, we're measuring uh, day one, day seven, and day 30 retention. And for something like a casual game that I was working on, we're usually expecting 40% of people to come back in the first day, and then 20% on day seven, and then 10% on day 30. So we're losing basically 90% of the people who install the app uh, over 30 days. And what we usually hope for is that people either spend or they uh, convert into spenders at some point along that journey and people who spend i can give you example on one of the games i used to work with non-payer to payer uh, retention rose 400 percent when they purchased so people having a stake in what they're playing and getting more powerful items by paying they generally stick around longer and that makes sort of sense because uh, you as a player when you invest your own money you're probably going to invest time to, you know, play with the toy with what you bought, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a sense of, you know, you've got, even without spending, players who get rewarded things or items within the game, they're going to essentially lose those items if they don't come back and play the game ever again. So there's a certain sense of you're trying to, uh, A, teach the player what the game is, but also give them a sense of, you know, importance, and so that they're not going off and playing other games that uh, that might offer the same similar gameplay. Yeah, it's interesting that your mid-core retention numbers here uh, are thirty percent for day one, fifteen for seven, uh, day seven, and seven uh, percent for day thirty. Uh, that seems to be the industry standard for you know a broad stroke of what good retention looks like. Yeah, I I think there's some gray areas between casual hardcore and midcore that people can argue about but generally myself as a product manager those are the the, the goals that i that i set uh, and and they're somewhat based on industry but they're also somewhat my own sort of concoction based on uh pre-production work that i've done over the last couple of years and and research that i've seen right so going deeper into like what strategies there are to hit those numbers uh, I personally like to categorize retention mechanics in uh, two different camps, uh, one inherent and one explicit. And what I mean by that is uh, with inherent retention, uh, it's already assuming that you're getting a buy-in from the player, whether the player is invested already with their money or if they're invested with the IP or your gameplay, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, whereas explicit retention mechanics are those that, you know, are cold cells, are, are something for the player that's not invested in your game yet. And you need both of these retention 
sort of category mechanics in your games, I believe, to succeed. And what I mean by inherent uh, retention is anything with timers, whether that's energy to play your toy, video watch refreshes, passive progression, such as, you know, training your hero and then coming back to collect your reward. Daily spins are another very common one found in uh, mobile games. Notifications that are sent to your phone. Daily task lists for the player who's already bought in. Remember, this is inherent retention to come and complete every day for those rewards. And event content, of course, which is, you know, what makes your game evergreen to all of your old retaining players. Specific instances of explicit retention would be something along the lines of login bonuses. Because your your players don't have to, you know, already be bought, bought into your game to just come in and get their login bonus for the first three days. Whether that's a launch time bonus, a lot of games when they launch on the App Store, they love to, you know, have this great celebration in the game, giving players a whole bunch of software, hard currency, you know, extra spins on the gotchas, etc. Another explicit retention mechanic can be a very engaging toy, something that lets the player buy into your game by having a very tight and juicy experience for them to think about and going back into sort of like the toy in asphalt nine that you know we all sort of caught up on that we talked about last week and finally like social pressures from whether it's a reddit community a discord community or the guild that you force the player to join in your fatui even can be sort of intangible retention mechanics that keeps the player coming back yeah the guild social is a huge one in in mobile games obviously so guild systems are really really powerful for past day 30 retention and if you don't have something like you know events or uh, more and more levels that can be released the guild system is probably your main retention mechanism just wanted to bring up maybe some people don't know the difference between when you say toy what, what are you specifically meaning by that I mean gameplay inside the the game itself, not the meta, whether that's knowing what heroes to bring or any sort of social meta for your events, but the actual gameplay that you're playing in your game, whether that's something mundane like a clicker or something more involved like driving a car. Yeah, I've uh, I've kind of often talked to other designers like uh, Candy Crush, right? Candy Crush, the toy is is Bejeweled or, you know, Match 3, and the meta is the Saga map, right? Like going through each level and, and progressing is, is, is the meta game. Uh, so that's industry-wide, I would probably say, a very standard definition. Yeah, I mean, it, and when it comes to engaging toys, like you just mentioned... Candy Crush. I mean, like that's that's a perfect example of a juicy toy. Like the get the toy itself is so incredibly simple, but it's just they're pulling you in with the level of sound effects and visual effects and all these things. The explosions that just you make one move and the explosions happen on the screen. It just gets you fully in the game with just very little effort. I also like. I kind of hadn't thought of social pressure when I was thinking of all of the like retention mechanics that you can put into a game and so you mentioning social pressure is interesting to me because like for me sometimes it can have a a, a two-way street a little bit um there are there are certain cases where too much social pressure too early can kind of drive me away that's admittedly a little bit anecdotal just like for me and my behavior personally <laughs> um so i wonder kind of on a larger scale 
how much that affects it. Obviously, like having social hooks into your game is is better than not having them, of course. But I, I was super interested in social pressure when it comes to Reddit or Discord communities. Because I found in the past three games that I got really involved in this year, I just started joining these communities and it drove me to come back every day because everyone in those communities were hyping up, you know, all the launch specials or all the, the meta for the game. And it just, you know, it was it was really fun to be part of like a community uh, that I, you know, as a designer before this year, uh, didn't really think was potent. I I wonder though, so like by your definitions of explicit and inherent, I guess where I'm going with this is that to me, I feel like social pressure might be more inherent than explicit. I think mm-hmm. that, um, for instance, there is one, there's only a small selection of games that I am involved when it comes to guilds and um, those social hooks. And those are specifically Star Wars games. Yeah, I'm in those games. I enjoy those games. Um, even Even though I... You know, the social pressure is a strong hook because I'm not even really, I'm not commenting or talking or doing anything like that with the guild, but just, you know, you'll have your guild daily uh, rewards or your guild quests or whatever, and I feel like I need to, you know, contribute. Uh Uh, But that's in a game that I've already, like you're saying with Inherent, that's a game that I've already kind of got buy-in from other places. I don't know necessarily that it is that social pressure that would hook me initially. I think it's one of those things that is it becomes one of my daily tasks as part of like a daily login but yeah that's that's totally legit like uh you definitely have those guild sure once you bought into the game and once you dive more into the meta uh what i talked about with explicit retention for social pressure from reddit community or discord communities actually is very specific to uh re-rolls and tier lists because when you start a game uh whether it's a hero collector or a very strong, you know, gotcha spin sort of game, uh, you want to know if you can re-roll uh, for the best characters, and usually that information is found in these communities. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of like the uh, sort of like tiny bit of taste, and then it sort of makes you dive in because all the time that I've joined these communities is you know, a simple Google search of like, what heroes should I be rolling for in the beginning of this game and uh, what the tier list for these heroes are. Okay, yeah. I also talked about the logins, the daily logins, and the, you know, some games even have weekly logins and monthly logins. David, what do you think about them? I mean, having your seven-day login, so basically what that means is every day you log in, you get your like little small reward just for logging in that day and if you log in seven days in a row at the end of that you'll probably get rewarded with some kind of larger thing and like mark you said in a hero collector game that will probably be some kind of special hero in that case you know and the ones leading up to that would be small amounts of premium currency or soft currency maybe some upgrade things or something like that i mean it's it's strong i mean you definitely want to have those kinds of things in your game like charles i was i was reading through your notes and you put it perfectly with like the concept of a loss aversion like it's better not to lose five dollars than to find five dollars or people find more with that so if you're not getting your login bonuses you're feeling like you're missing out on something and you're feeling like you're uh, not playing that game to the 
efficiency that you could be playing it. In this though, we you guys were talking a lot about seven day login bonuses, and I was wondering, I guess, what do you what do you guys think in general about like thirty day login bonuses? Because I, I I've I've seen them in a couple of games. The uh, one of the games I'm playing right now has a thirty day login bonus, and kind of personally, I find it I find that overwhelming. Like even if there's decent rewards along the way, what I'm what I'm kind of looking for is that uh, that like Russia's satisfaction you get for like just checking off a list that you can kind of get easily with a seven day login and having to like log in for 30 straight days or 28 straight days or whatever they do just seems like quite a long time and like I'm never going to get that satisfaction like it's too far away. I don't know, have you guys like seen any any data or like differences between like whether a seven day or a 30 day login bonuses bonus is better than the other or... Or anything like that. I I, th- I think it very much depends on uh, what you did in soft launch for your game. And we're we're kind of talking about games that have already been released. Mm-hmm. Um, working on a soft launch or, or a game that was going moving quite quickly towards soft launch, you know, there were a lot of design discussions revolving around this kind of problem. So some people say, you know, oh yeah, that's the this game. It has a sequential daily login, meaning that like you can't break your streak. You need to come in every single day until day thirty to get your you know magic sword or what whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's in my head, it's basically a design hack, right? It, it's a product management design hack to 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 improve your retention numbers. Um, it's not saying that it's not effective. But I kind of think about features like this that tend to be on the more subjective side when we're developing them. And I think about um, a standard distribution, right? So a bell curve. Some people are going to be, you know, super not into a 30-day or even a 15-day login streak, right? Or even, you know, they won't care about, you know, staying along for this ride to get whatever the magic sword is. They just, it just won't appeal to them and on the other on the other side of the distribution on the other side of the bell curve are people who just don't even care about the game they're just there to to hoard as much stuff as possible I and mean, if it's more things then i'm just going to come in every day and get more things right and then you have the middle of the graph the middle of the distribution which is where everyone else sits and they're kind of a little common a little bit common b but those are the most amount of people right so what you really want to do in soft launch is is figure out how much of that median distribution is going to fall to which side, right? The right side where people don't care or the left side where people do. And that's what soft launch is all about. And I've I've worked on games that kind of haven't gone through soft launch properly and have always been trying to fix their KPIs, um, you know, on the fly without being able to test. And it's very, very, very difficult. It's very, very expensive once a game is live and it's it's kind of in production or it's it's past soft launch to, to change you know, a massive part of the user experience to try and increase retention using, you know, a feature I, d- I just implemented like a couple of weeks ago is a, a quest system for the casino game that we work on. And, you know, my, my goal was to increase the number of days logged in and the, the, the length of time that people logged in. And, um, you know, without having any data to, to base decisions on and it kind of did just fall to my to my gut and some kind of informed opinion t- as to what kind of uh, feature to to implement and uh, you know we're still collecting data on it but it's looking good it's just a matter of you know experience sometimes and and, and, and a matter of looking at similar games and seeing you know what they've done because they've probably a b tested or they've gone through a soft launch so you can you can kind of infer 
based on other games what's right for your game mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it is very much an art and a science uh, it's much more artistic at this point than it is scientific <laughs> <laughs> people haven't figured out the the uh, I would say a good standard pattern for retention yet I think I see a lot of games doing a lot of different things and I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking that most games even ones in similar genres just appeal to different sets of people like their installs are from different places you know their art aesthetic influences people who stick around so therefore you know you know clash of clans might be completely you know uh, skewed from clash royale in terms of the type of people that that uh, that play it and the type of, of retention systems that actually affect them right so long story short soft launch yeah it's a it's a powerful thing <laughs> Don't not do it. And I would say, uh, going back to that, um, uh, I can I can talk later about the, the psychology, but uh, A-B testing, it's a very often used, you know, quotable thing that people talk about in, in GDC conferences. It's a whole new, another thing to actually release a feature with A-B testing and be able to properly analyze it. You need data analysts most of the time, especially with, you know, um, very very complicated interrelated features that some retention systems can be especially ones that reward you content and premium currency um yeah it's it's super important to get good data analysts and uh to develop the feature all the way without cutting any corners so that you can analyze the data and make sure you're not moving kpis in the wrong direction but it it, you know everything's expensive so it's it's tricky sometimes to uh to balance those things Going back to Charles's discussion on whether you should have consecutive login bonuses or not, I think the trend for at least the Asian free-to-play market is not to do that anymore. They found that, you know, if you punish people by not, you know, missing a day, they're not going to come back and the loss aversion will be very, you know, upfront to them at that point. And so they, they have these 28-day retention calendars or uh, login bonuses, and uh, you can come in, you know, 30 days later and claim your second day if you want. They're just happy for you to be there. I've seen games that do, you know, every seven days is something special, something, you know, enticing so that you're only looking ahead really to the seventh day of the week for the 28 days. And so it's four different day seven like big bonuses with the you know 28th day being even bigger in some way so mm-hmm. yeah uh, i think 28 day uh, or 30 day login tracks is can be designed to be you know not overwhelming to the player and to reward the player for sticking around that long i kind of think that it i think you know my opinion is that the inherent section of, of retention systems uh, generally do a better job. And I've seen some data on this as well, but I'm, I can't give it out. Generally speaking, a more passive and less explicit way of getting people back into the game, I think is more powerful and people are getting wise to, especially stuff like uh, sequential login bonuses and they're getting turned off by it. I think that's that's sort of getting more and more true as we as we mature as an industry and as a consumer base. Yeah, and uh, very specific for the best seven-day login bonus I've ever encountered as a player was when Marvel Future Fight launched. Uh, It was around the time of the Age of Ultron movie uh, in theaters, 
and if you logged in for the seventh day, you would have enough shards to get an Iron Man Hulkbuster in your game. And that was like huge for for someone. So uh, this leads into what I want to talk about with uh, IP uh, and how IP can influence your retention in many factors of your game rather than just, you know, uh, you have an IP, you'll get the organic installs, you'll get uh, people already bought into your uh, IP and your franchise. Like, IP has various different ways, I think, in games to keep people playing and enjoying. Yes, Star Wars alone. I mean, I was just about to say last week with the uh, Asphalt 9, we were talking about how, okay, there's a starter pack that has a Porsche in it, but if I don't give a shit about a Porsche, you know, for me personally as a player, I don't care about a Porsche. But the Star Wars Force Arena starter pack with Obi-Wan, I love me some Obi-Wan. So I'm going to buy that starter pack simply because I love the IP and I'm invested in that IP. Before before I even install the game, I'm invested in this game at some level, basically. Yeah, it's a clear aspiration, you know, and it's not too specific, you know, for, especially for those Star Wars... Uh, uh, MOBA style games where you're, uh, you know, collecting a team of people. You're never going to get the exact team you want, and even if you do, they may not be synergistic t- to each other. So there's a sense of always wanting to collect more and collect more, right? We'll be talking about that next week in the uh, CCG uh, discussions. <laughs> spoilers, Char- Charles. Spoilers, God. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, to our listeners that aren't in the mobile games industry. The inherent and explicit categorization that I'm talking about that we've talked about in this episode is not official. It's not, you're not gonna find it in a game design book. It is purely just how I sort of categorize it personally. That's a that's a Mark Wu hot take for you. It's a Mark Wu joint right here. So don't, don't quote me on it uh, and then have it come back to bite me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about with retention mechanics was not only can you separate them into these two different categories, uh, but you should keep in mind the four types of player uh, when you're trying to design or you know round out your game to have all of these different players in mind. And David, you want to go through what these four different player types are? Yeah, there's kind of this quadrant chart, if you can imagine that in front of you with, you know, two squares on, on top of another two squares and and kind of where players are plotted on this chart kind of based on a series of things kind of dictates what they are so uh first one is the killer so uh they are competitive against other players actually i should explain what the quadrants are so like uh, along the spectrum you can be competitive or collaborative and then uh kind of along that line either focused on the game itself or against other players um so with the killer you are competitive and you're competitive against other players so the types of things that you really care about are pvp modes tearing up uh leaderboards um pvp milestones is another thing you know if you're playing a game you know a clash royale style game you really care about beating other players you care about rising up in your tiers and on like that Uh, the next would be an achiever where you're competitive, but it's more focused on the game itself. This is where you're really focused on getting your your achievements, focusing on getting through your daily task lists, definitely getting through all any kind of like limited time event content and like scoring well on those. 
You have your socializer, which is collaborative with other players. And this is what we were talking about before, where you are the kind of person that really feels that social pressure when you're a part of a guild. You definitely want to, you do your daily guild check-ins. You want to contribute to, you know, again, in, in a card style game where you're collecting cards to upgrade heroes you know you're contributing and you're donating cards all the time and you're asking for cards to receive cards and stuff and then you have the explorer which is collaborative but kind of with the game you've got you're looking to you know get through if the game has a story or a saga map you know you're trying to just digest as much content as that game can kind of give you yeah those are kind of the the four major ones so killer achiever socializer and explorer are kind of your four basic player archetypes and 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 no player will be you know necessarily one of those things or one of those things in every game there are games you know where i am a killer because i'm all about the pvp and that kind of stuff and other games where i feel maybe like i want to kind of relax and just grind through the game content and i'll be a bit of an explorer and there are some players that might kind of fall in the middle on both of those and so when you're designing your game and especially when you're designing your the hooks you want to have to retain people in your game you have to think about what kind of player are you going to cater towards are you going to try to cater to kind of two of them or one of them or all of them and and uh that's what charles was talking about with soft launching you know you want to look at the data you want to look and see what kind of players you have what kind of things that they are responding to as it relates to the core toy of your game and uh really latch on to things that will drive them to continue playing your game I don't know if they still do it anymore, but uh, back in a couple of years ago, we were looking at Facebook data of our players and uh, we could kind of see some, you know, personality mm-hmm. types emerging. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a thing anymore, though. <laughs> I'm sure there's some way of, of, of uh, figuring out, like if you were to do a, uh, if, you, if you had a messaging system in your game, you could probably do a quick personal, uh, personal uh, questionnaire of some kind and reward the player for, for, for completing it and just see how many people complete it and tally the results and then maybe get even like a an ocean model of, of your players so you can figure out like what their psychology may or may not be t- trending towards. And uh, yeah, you can look it up uh, online if you don't know what the ocean model is. Basically the, the big five personality model that's replaced Myers-Briggs as the kind of standard uh, state of the art of, of psychology at this point. Mm-hmm. And... Uh... I feel like your game should have retention mechanics that satisfy each of these player types to be truly successful. Specifically about like killer player types. I've seen games implement great PvP ladder milestones where you have a real-time deadline of climbing the PvP ladder. Knight's Chronicle does a great three-day PvP ladder system that rewards players with premium currency so a lot of players would feel like they're not getting uh, it's not always pay to win because once you reach a certain tier you just keep getting three-day payouts of hard currency which was great for achievers the thing i like to point towards is the daily task list you want to go back and finish these daily task lists every single day marvel strike force has the cleanest task list i've ever seen the UI is right on the home screen, and each button sends you where you need to go. All the tasks are easily done within less than an hour of playtime, which I think is incredibly important. It needs to be completable, and it needs to be easy to complete it. And it forms habits. It forms daily habits for these players to come back in. For socializers, we've talked about the guild check-ins. Easy share systems. 
Uh, it's not just buttons to make things easier to share across platforms, such as sharing your gameplay moments, but I think creating UI screens that increase the ownership of the thing in the game they're pulling gotchas for, I've found lots of games always miss the mark on that. Like, if, if you're a hero collecting game, I need to see my heroes in a screen that looks awesome. I think that's a huge, you know, sense of ownership that a lot of mobile games just miss out on. So you're playing some games which which don't even show you a, like a, a main full screen view of the of the hero that you can sort of move around and play with? Yeah, exactly. Or like uh, they're, they're all UI buttons until you tap on one, but it doesn't give you like a general sense of something that you could share as a screenshot online without being embarrassed. <laughs> right. You're, you're talking like this isn't a... Uh isn't a mobile example but the um the uh, round end screen from rainbow six where you have all of your operators sitting standing together in like it's it's basically like a family photo mode right where like you're yeah, a team overwatch of, does yeah, the same thing exactly overwatch does it as well so you have all of your characters in the mobile case it would be all of your characters not like individual player characters sitting there mm-hmm. and it's like I won this mission or I did I won this PvP event or something. Here's my squad and they're all, you know, back to back, guns out, kind of, you know, sitting there showing off your cool skins or whatever it is so you can be proud of it along along with your friends. Exactly. And uh finally for the last type explorer, I like games that have a codex. A lot of Asian hero collectors have codexes that you tap on and it shows you all of the heroes that you can get from the gacha. And it doesn't gray it out or anything. You could tap on them and see them in full color. You could see their 3D model if it's a 3D game. And you could even test out their skills. Like give the player full visibility of what they can collect, I think is also very powerful. Yeah, they'll get some really long-term goals. Mm-hmm. Of, oh, this thing is awesome. I cannot wait till I get a chance to pull this one or whatever it is. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have for to talk about retention. Obviously, we have so much more we could get into. This could easily be a two- to three-hour podcast, sort of like our favorite podcast, Hardcore History. We could do a hardcore... Hmm. Hardcore retention. Hardcore, hardcore <laughs> retention with... <laughs> We could see if we have retained people with our conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be missing the next episode, episode four, uh, because I'm taking a trip to the beachy sands of San Francisco. Ooh, nice. And so Charles and David will be talking about CCGs and their free-to-play models, some great CCG mobile talk. And it was based on a question from one of our listeners, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Yes, uh, John of Shelved Games asked us this question, and so we'll uh, at the start of next time we'll we'll give him a shout out and we'll read exactly what that question was, and then we'll get into it. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, happy mobile gaming, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>